All right, Numbers 27. We're going to begin at verse number 1. Thank you, Elder Harris, for teaching last week. And uh, here we go. Then came the daughters of Zeholophad, the son of Hefer, the son of Gilead, the son of Mahir, the son of Manasseh, of the families of Manasseh, the son of Joseph. And these are the names of his daughters, Mahala, Noah, Hogla, and Milka, and Tirzah. Aren't you glad uh, that you don't have those names? Praise God. And they stood before Moses and before Eleazar the priest and before the princes of, and all the congregation by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Our father died in the wilderness, and he was not in the company of them that gathered themselves together against the Lord in the company of Korah, but died in his own sin and had no sons. Why should the name of our father be done away from among his family because he has no sons? Give unto us, therefore, a possession among the brethren of our father. And Moses brought their case before the Lord. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, The daughters of Zeholophad speak right. Thou shalt surely give them a possession of an inheritance among their father's brethren. And thou shalt cause the inheritance of their father to pass unto them. And thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a man dies and has no sons, then you shall cause his inheritance to pass unto his daughter. And if he have no daughter, then he shall give his inheritance unto his brethren. And if he have no brethren, then he shall give his inheritance unto his father's brethren. And if his father have no brethren, then you shall give his inheritance unto his kinsmen, that is next to him of his family, and he shall possess it. And it shall be unto the children of Israel a statute of judgment, as the Lord commanded Moses. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I want to preach to you tonight on this subject. Confession controls the future. Confession controls the future. Can we say that together? Confession controls the future. I'm going to be very honest with you. Uh, I'm going to be preaching about sin tonight. And uh, I don't have anybody in mind, uh, but I'm fully expecting to uh, say things that may cause some of us to feel uncomfortable. Uh, but this is the word of the Lord. And uh, I promise you that I, I was here in church today, earlier today, praying. And, uh, and I, I preached this and prayed this into my own life before I'm preaching it to you. Uh, pastors are not perfect. Pastors have a lot of confessing they need to do. But we're going to be talking a little bit about sin. And uh, I will touch on things that may make some people... I, when I preach like this, it never fails. I'll get a text or a phone call from somebody uh, telling me how much they didn't appreciate what I had to say. And, uh, but I just want to get it out there right now that I'm not, I'm not preaching to anybody here. So even, even, you know, if the shoe fits, just wear it and just walk out with it. You know, just, just keep, <laughs> praise God. Uh, and some of you girls already wear shoes that don't fit. So you, you can wear this too, praise God, Amen. And the guys do the same thing. I've, I know what it is to be on the court and see somebody with size 13s. Amen. They just got to wear the, the latest sneaker, and they're a size 10. And so we, 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 we wear shoes that don't fit all the time. Praise God. So you might, you might find some stuff that don't fit. Put it on. <laughs> Put it on. You may, you, you may grow into it. Praise God. You may outgrow it. Both are the will of God. 
And uh, let's pray. Let's ask God to bless the remainder of this service. Jesus, we love you. We appreciate you. And God, I'm asking you to touch me and allow me to preach, to edify, to encourage, and to strengthen the people of God. They're great people. They're precious people. Lord, I pray that you would touch me to speak, God, with clarity and with unction and with anointing. Lord, let there be a great move of your spirit in the altar call. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise. Amen. Look at your neighbor, tell him Jesus loves you. You may be seated. In our text this evening, there are several layers. On the surface, it appears that all we are reading about is how laws were changed in Israel regarding who gets the inheritance of their parents. The reality, however, is that we are reading more than that. We are told in verses 1 and 2 that there are five sisters who approach Moses and the entire male leadership of Israel with the intention of correcting an interpretation of a scripture that Moses wrote himself, but he did not grasp it in its entirety. This is a very bold move to actually tell somebody who heard from God, who talks to God, who sees God regularly, <laughs> that they don't understand what they're writing. Their argument about whether they are entitled to receive their father's inheritance is so, so succinct and articulate that it causes Moses to pray and to ask God for clarity on the scripture he wrote. Numbers 27, 6 through 7 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and said, The daughters of Zeholophad speak right. In the original Hebrew, the very last sentence begins with the word ken. The word ken is yes in Hebrew. And if you were to read this in Hebrew, it would literally say, And the Lord spoke to Moses, Yes, the daughters of Zeholophad are right. Not only did God tell Moses these women were correct in their interpretation of the law, but that their interpretation was to become the new standard in Israel. These bright and brave young ladies not only changed their future, they changed the future for generation of women after them. What is interesting about this account is how the girls decided to frame their argument for a better future. They did not begin by discussing the legal and technical problems with the law Moses had drafted, but rather they began their argument for a better future by confessing the sins of their father. Numbers 27 and 3 says, Our father died in the wilderness, and he died because of his own sins. I believe that it was this act of transparency and true spirituality that helped them to change the future. And with that in mind, I want to preach to you tonight a very simple message on how the power of confessing the sins of the past can offer you a better future. It is unfortunate but true that many people, and even some in this building tonight 
or watching online do not see any connection between confessing the sins of their past and having a favorable future. But can I remind you that the Bible revisits this very issue from Genesis to Revelation. Why? Because God cares about our future. God cares about our future. And if you want to have a bright future, you may have to visit some dark spots in the past. The question for us tonight, however, is whether we care more about our image, our pride, our position, our culture, our traditions, our politics, our preferences, our associations, than we do about our future. Because if we do, there's a lot of sins that will never get confessed. And therefore, there's a lot of favor in our future that we will never possess. Can I remind you, amen, in the book of Genesis, God called Adam to confess what he and his wife had done. Adam rejected and resented the call to confession. God asked Adam, where art thou? And God knew that he wasn't going to get the answer he wanted. Instead, Adam began to blame God, and then he went to blaming his wife. And the effects of this blame amen on others amen grabbed a hold of adam's future and it ruined it the lord spoke to adam and he said cursed is the ground for thy sake and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee thou shalt eat the herb of the field and in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread god said because you won't confess you'll have sorrow because you won't confess the earth will be cursed because you won't confess you'll get thorns and thistles because you won't confess you won't eat you'll have to eat herbs not meat because you won't confess you'll work every day of your life from the sweat of your brow I'm telling you when we refuse to confess our sins amen it affects our future amen God looked over at Eve and he gave Eve an opportunity to confess as well but Eve amen hallelujah also had a tough time with the confession and so the Lord told her now your future is going to be affected as well he said I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception and sorrow shalt thou bring forth children when Adam and Eve sinned when Adam and Eve refused to confess their sin amen they both invited sorrow to take over their future amen hallelujah and ladies if you're wondering amen who to blame for all the pain amen that's involved in having kids hallelujah it's not a woman praise God it's people that don't confess their sins hallelujah gentlemen if you want to know why it's so hard to raise a family and why you feel like you're breaking your back sometimes and why you feel like you're 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 feeding yourself from the sweat of your brow praise God it's because of people that will not confess their sins can I get an amen the sorrow of their sin reached into their lives and into the lives of their children in the Bible and in reality and in our lives today, children always are representative of the future. Can I remind you of the story where Cain killed Abel? The boys go out to make some sacrifices. One does good, the other one does bad. Amen. But Cain decides to kill Abel, amen, for the favor that God showed on him. And the Bible says that God invited Cain to confess his sin. He asked him, where is thy brother Abel? 
Cain, like his father Adam, didn't appreciate the invitation to confess his sin. And he, like his father Adam, rejected and resented the invitation. He did not want to answer the question, where is your brother? And with a snarled face, he looked up at God and said, am I my brother's keeper? Cain's refusal to confess his sin choked out his future and the future of his children as well. The Lord spoke to Cain and he said, cursed from the earth, which thou, which has opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood and from thine hand, when thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto her unto thee her strength a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth he could have avoided a horrible future by just confessing his sins he could have avoided amen hallelujah a hard life by just confessing his sins just these few examples here already show us what the bible's talking about when it says that the way of the transgressor is hard when you refuse to tell god what you've done amen you're life's going to get hard. When you refuse to tell God what you've done, the life of your children is going to be hard. When you refuse to tell God what you're doing wrong, amen, hallelujah, going to work is going to be hard. Being married is going to be hard. Raising a kid is going to be hard. Just living day to day is going to be hard. I'm telling you, this world's upside down. Now's not the time to live with unconfessed sin. Ah, things are hard enough. Uh, You don't need to be walking around with some extra weight on your shoulders. I came today to encourage somebody, amen, to take the weight off your shoulders. Uh, start confessing your sins. Amen. I'm telling you, you could you want a big and bright future. Amen. It begins by visiting the past for just a few moments and telling God what happened back there. And come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I want a better future. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, somebody, I'm gonna need help preaching tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. This is an apostolic church. This is a sin preaching church. Praise God. This is a salvation church. Uh, Amen. Hallelujah. Some people might think this is a negative message. Friend, I'll tell you what's a negative message. You can keep doing what you're doing and you don't need to apologize to nobody. I could think of no more damning of a message, no more condemning of a message, uh, no more harmful of a message than to tell people that they can be immoral and lackadaisical. Hallelujah. With their sin. I'm telling you, when you choose to live that way, when you choose to go find you a church and a preacher that'll figure out a way for you to live foul praise God you done just what you just gave yourself amen an invitation to a miserable and horrible life praise God I don't know about you amen but if I was looking for a church right now I'd want to make sure I was sitting in a church uh, where the pastor loved me enough to preach to me just the way it really is hallelujah I want oh come on somebody let's praise him Oh, hallelujah. In 2 Samuel, we read about David. The Bible says that the kings went out to war and David stayed back home. There was, there was, it was time to fight. And David was out of, out of the will of God. He was out of season. He was out of sync. And the Bible says that his eye caught hold of a woman that was another man's wife. And he, he conspired to have this woman. And he had her husband killed. And that woman became pregnant. And for over a year, 
David lived with unconfessed sin in his life. Choosing instead to try and hide it. Killed the husband. Married the woman. Brought her home. Hid the baby bump. And thought everything was good. And then one day he gets a knock on the door. And the Bible says it was the prophet Nathaniel. And the prophet Nathaniel comes into the living room where David is sitting. And he tells him, David, I want to tell you a story. He said there was a man that had a little sheep that he had raised from its infancy. He loved that sheep. He said, and one day a stranger came and took that sheep away from that man and kept it and stole it. And David rose up to his feet and said, that man who stole that sheep should be put to death. Amen. And Nathan looked at him in the eyes and said, Thou art the man. And David all of a sudden understood what the man of God was talking about. Amen. But it was too late. It was too late. David had over one year to confess his sin, but he opted to hide it. He opted to dodge it. He opted to bend reality to conform to his sinful life rather than to change his life. And it was too late. The future had already been taken hostage by his refusal to confess. And then in 2 Samuel 12 and 10, the Lord speaks again through the prophet Nathaniel. And he says, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee. And those of you that have read your Bibles, you know that everything that could go wrong in David's life always went wrong. His sons killed one another. There was incestual relationships. There was all kinds of chaos and pandemonium that grabbed a hold of his life. The baby that that uh, Bathsheba had become pregnant with died. But God in his mercy, amen, uh, received David's uh, repentance and he gave him another child. And that child's name was Solomon. And the Bible says, and the Lord loved Solomon. But the God's love did not change the fact that David had already given control of the future over to sin. Praise God. And the Bible says, amen, that the struggles of David became Solomon's struggles. Solomon began to also have a little lust problem. Amen. And just like his dad, praise God, he started running around with all kinds of women and engaging in illicit relationships. Never once did Solomon feel the need, amen, or the impulse to confess all the wrong that he was wrapped up in. Praise God. And uh, for, for Solomon, however, uh, his situation was compounded even worse because Solomon, amen, never had a preacher in his life. In fact, every time we don't, you read, when you read through the life of Solomon, you'll never see mention of any prophet. You'll never see mention of any preacher. And then when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon starts talking about the preacher, the preacher, the preacher. The problem is that the only preacher Solomon ever talked about was himself. He was his only preacher. Saint of God, I'm telling you, you can't be your own preacher. You need a preacher in your life. You need to let your be pre 
preach to. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm just telling you, everybody needs a preacher. Amen. I need a preacher. Praise God. You need a preacher. Your kids need a preacher. We need somebody, praise God, that's just willing to let us know you ain't right. Praise God. We need somebody to let us know this is how you get right. We need somebody to let us know. Amen. This is what you got to do. Amen. We need somebody to let us know this is what God is going to do. We need somebody, praise God, that's going to love us and respect us enough not to, amen, hide the truth from us. Praise God. But most importantly, you need somebody that's going to encourage you, amen, to confess your sins. The preacher is here to protect your future. I'm telling you right now, if I got any one concern, amen, about you, it's about your future. I'm not sweating where you're at right now. I don't even care where you came from. I only care if you're willing to confess your sins so that you can have a better future, so your babies can have a better future, so your grandchildren, come on somebody, hallelujah. Oh, let's praise him right now. Let's praise him right now. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. Oh, let's lift our hands and pray just for a few seconds. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. You need to have you a preacher, a preacher, a preacher that, that you know, you need to have a pastor. You can't be having no celebrity internet pastor. That ain't going to cut it. I'm just, and don't you have you no dead pastor? Praise God. I know some folks are just, you know, whatever. You, you just, you need to have you a real flesh and blood pastor. And I say this here all the time, and I mean it with the utmost respect and dignity for the office that I hold. If I am not your pastor, go find one. You need one. I'm big enough to understand and recognize, praise God, that there might be personality conflicts between me and people. I'm okay with that. Amen. But I'm telling you, as somebody that loves you and prays for you, if I am not your pastor, you need to go get you one. Because you ain't going to get to heaven without a pastor. You're not going to get to heaven with you being the only preacher that you know of. You're not going to get to heaven thinking that you can figure it all out up here. And you don't need nobody to tell you nothing. That's just not going to work. Hallelujah. And uh, some of you, you know, praise God. I, uh, I'm not, you know, whatever. I'll just say it the way it is. Praise God. Some of you have been bold enough to come and talk to me about stuff that 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 you see wrong. And I've I've I'm, I stand flat footed uh, to and unashamed to let you know. Amen. I could take criticism. Praise God. I'm okay with that. Amen. I'm okay with a few useful tips. I'll let you know. Amen. Uh, how I feel about what you're telling me. Praise God. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not closed off to that. Praise God. I'm okay with that. I love God's people. Praise God. But I also want you to know there's just days I got to say it how it is. There's just days I'm not out to hurt you. I'm out to protect your future. I'm out to, hey, I'm fighting for future you. I'm fighting for, I'm fighting for future you. I'm telling you right now, you in the future is thanking you for sitting in that pew. Praise God and listening to this preaching because there's a you in the future that needs you. Amen. To remember that unconfessed sin, praise God, will get you nowhere and that unconfessed sin will land you in bankruptcy, divorce, the hospital. Unconfessed sin will end you up at the bar. Unconfessed sin will get you in all kinds of troubles and messes. Unconfessed sin will leave future you depressed, future you suicidal, future you anxious, future you stressed, future you divorced. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, we're fighting for the future here tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Confession. Everyone say confession. Confession is extremely important. 1 John 1 and 9 says, If we confess our sins, He, speaking of Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And check this out. And cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But listen, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to just repeat what the Bible says, but I'm going to use some East Bay vernacular. When you say I ain't done nothing wrong and you actually say that you're innocent and you have nothing to confess, you are calling Jesus, not me. You are calling Jesus a liar. That's not what I said. That's what the scripture said. But I want you to consider the following. Confession is the only way to be cleansed of all unrighteousness. Because you see, when you sin, there's a lot of unrighteousness that latches on to that, to you. And the scripture says, hey, I'm going to just, I'm going to keep it straight with you. When we sin, we invite all kinds of things into our life. And if we get deep enough in sin, we invite all kinds of spirits into our life. That's right. And some people might think I'm being a little excessive here, but some of you good saints that have had your rough moments and your vulnerable times and have made bad decisions, and I put myself in your category. We know that you can get loose with God. And before you know it, there's strange stuff. There's unexplainable stuff. There's crazy and wicked, dark things that begin to come in the home, that begin to grab a hold of the kids. There's dreams and nightmares. Unrighteousness, unconfessed sin. Yeah, see, you're not going to hear this down at the nice, friendly family corner, corner store church. Let me just tell you, if I was the devil, the first thing I'd want to convince everybody is that I don't exist. Best place, best way to keep a saint locked up in sin is just tell him, you know, you're just having a, you're just having a struggle. You're, it's, there's no devil involved. Hey, I'm going to tell you, when you sin, it may be your fault, but, but the devil doesn't let a crisis go to waste. And, and he's going to get his hoof in your life. And he's going to mess with you. But there's a remedy. There's a remedy. It's confession. It's confession. And when you confess, you are cleansed from all unrighteousness. That's right. And one way that unconfessed sin strangles our future is by teaching us how to operate with sin in our life. That is the real problem with unconfessed sin is that it's an attempt to actually figure out how to be a Christian who lives with sin. And, and in, case, in case you didn't catch that, that's a, like a contradictory statement right there. 
That's a squared circle right there. You're not supposed to be a Christian that lives in sin. You're supposed to be a Christian that's liberated from sin. That's why we, that's why we talk about being saved. That, that's what redemption means. It means that you belonged to somebody else, but then God redeemed you. He bought you. Praise God. And now you belong to him. And that means you are no longer under the stranglehold of sin. But, you know, and I, I, I know I already kind of tagged on this a little bit, but if you allow me to come back around to this. Uh, it, you know, last week, Elder Harris taught, taught from uh, the, the encounter with Balaam and Balak. Amen. And how they cursed the children of Israel. But that man Balaam is a very serious topic in the Bible. In fact, he's such a serious topic that the Bible, uh, later on, the writers of the New Testament, Peter, 2 Peter, Jude 1.11, and uh, uh, Revelation 2.14, I believe it is. They talk about the doctrine of Balaam. Praise God. And uh, it's unclear what it is when you read it in 2 Peter and in Jude. But in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 14, uh, all of a sudden Jesus is speaking to John. And, uh, and he's, he, he says, you have those among you that teach the doctrine of Balaam. And this is what he says the doctrine of Balaam is. He said, he set a stumbling block before the children of Israel and introduced them to idolatry and immorality. And there were people in the church because see, Balaam tried to curse Israel, but he couldn't curse them. Man, if you'll let me preach to you just for a few seconds. Hey, let me just tell you something about Israel. When they went to curse them, they were a bunch of knuckleheads. They wasn't living right. They were making all kinds of blunders and mistakes. And Balaam got up there and he started waving his arms and doing his thing. And instead of the whole, the whole book of numbers, if you've been with us, it's all about speech. It's all about speech. It's all about the misuse of words. It's all about the the war of words. And Israel's complaining. And Moses struggles to talk. And, and Aaron and Miriam are always saying the wrong thing. And they're always saying too much. And then all of a sudden, last week we get to this place where the donkey starts talking. And I'm going to just tell you right now, there are some things in life that should never talk. And donkeys are one of them. And the other one is snakes. And if you see a snake or a donkey talking, run! There's just some stuff that should never talk. If your car is talking to you, I'm telling you, you you better get down to the house of God. If your car is telling you, we don't want to go to church today, praise God. If your clothes are talking to you, telling you, you don't want to go to church today, praise God. There's just some stuff that should never talk. If your wallet is telling you, you can't give, praise God. Don't you listen to that talking wallet. Praise God. Go ahead and just close it on up. Praise God and give the Lord what's his. There's just some stuff that shouldn't talk. If those pair of shoes are talking to you, don't wear them, praise God. Amen. If that expensive watch is talking to you, quit wearing it, praise God. God. I'm, I'm talking to somebody right now. There's just some. If your iPhone is talking to you, that ain't Siri, homie. Praise God. That's a serious problem is what it is. Praise God. There's just some stuff that should never talk. And when it starts talking, it's time to get rid of it. And when it starts... But all of numbers, God is showing. I'm watching your words. God was doing word counts before Excel. Before Word. 
Before any word processing device, God was counting words. God says, I control mouths. So he opens the mouth of the donkey. And then Balaam gets up. And he starts doing his, his, his hickamaho. Three times. He goes to curse, but he blesses. And on the fourth time, God really gets a hold of his mouth. And not only does he bless them, he proclaims one of the first messianic prophecies of Jesus Christ in the entire Bible. And Balak looks at Balaam. He says, you obviously don't understand why I hired you. And Balaam looks at Balak. Balak. He says, I understand why you hired me. I get it. He said, but I can't curse what God has blessed. I just want to stop here and tell you something. Because a lot of times we think that God punishes us when we're not living right. I'm going to tell you when God actually punishes people. Because the Bible actually tells us. I, I believe it's Romans 1.24. I could be wrong. Somebody may have to correct me later. Correct your pastor later. This is not that time. But I believe it's Romans 1.24. It says that the, that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and sin against them. And he's talking to the church, saved people. Against them who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That word hold is the word hold the truth in unrighteousness. The literal Greek translation would be who suppress the truth because they're living unrighteous. The minute God, if you really want to get God to unleash wrath on you, all you have to do is be saved, get into sin, not confess it, leave the church, and then start suppressing the mission. I have had the unfortunate privilege of having to deal with people that say, not only do I not like you, I'm going to try to stop you. I'm telling you right now, saint of God, I don't care what is going on in your life. Don't ever suppress the mission of God. Don't ever suppress the mission of God. I, I do not encourage people to watch how they come into the house of God so that I could preach good. I done made it up in my mind. I'm going to preach good with or without happy faces. I, I didn't come here for the emojis. But I am telling you right now, don't ever get in the way of the move of God. You might be in a bad mood, but get out of the way. Praise God. You may be having a fight with your spouse, but don't bring that stuff here. You don't, you don't ever want to be unrighteous and suppressing at the same time. I'm just telling you, and no matter how messed up you get and no matter how crossways you get and no matter how many times you fall and if you would have amen if you would be so unfortunate as to one day want to backslide and leave God please do yourself a favor just walk away just walk away but don't walk away and tell yourself I'm going to attack those people I'm going to stop those people I'm going to bother those people I'm going to call them at midnight I'm going to write a nasty Yelp review this is not me trying to stop you or control 
you or brainwash you. I am telling you how you could save yourself a whole lot of drama from heaven. Praise God. Because I'm telling you right now, God will come against such people. Amen. I'm telling you right now, I've seen people come against the church and I've had to be their pallbearer at the funeral. I'm not, I'm not playing with y'all no more. I'm just letting you know stuff gets real. Praise God. And this is why even God himself said, I would that you rather be hot or cold. He said, but don't stick around here lukewarm holding up the project. Praise God. If you're Praise God. If you ain't walking in the way, don't get in the way. Praise God. Amen. Do yourself a favor. Praise God. And just do what you got to do. Praise God. And when you're ready, just come on back to the house of God. Amen. And when you're ready, come on, somebody. But I don't. Balaam told Balak, he said, I'll tell you how you get these folks messed up. You teach them how to have idols and teach them how to fornicate. He said, and what we can't do, they'll do against themselves. You may think this, I'm not trying to be irreverent. Please forgive me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Bible says, Balak said, man, I should have just thought of this earlier. Went and got all the, I'll just, I'll keep it, I'll keep it biblical. He just went out and got all the girls from Moab. Bible says he just unleashed all the girls from Moab into the camp and everybody went crazy. They started fornicating. They started worshiping idols. Now, we are living in, in quite different times. But let me just tell you, the doctrine of Balaam is alive and well. And, 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 and Balaam is out there today. And there's Balaam's out there. There's Balaam's out there that'll quote a Bible verse and give you a sports stat at the same time. Well, pastor, what's that have to do with anything? I'm, I'm going to tell you what that has to do with. We don't have idols in the church. We don't idolize anybody. We don't idolize LeBron. We don't idolize Kobe. We don't idolize... Ronaldo, I, we don't idolize Messi. We don't, we don't idolize Trump, Biden, or anybody. We don't idolize, hey, I'm the pastor, I'm the preacher, and guess what? We don't idolize preachers either. We don't idolize men. Amen. We don't have idols. Praise God. We worship the one true living God and God only. I'm telling you, that's the only way you're going to stay saved. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't, don't, don't. Don't idolize people. We don't idolize musicians. Praise God. We don't idolize models. Praise God. We don't idolize nobody. We don't idolize objects, houses, cars, clothes, money, finances, education. We don't idolize anything. Praise God. I'll tell you, the only thing we bow down and worship around here is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Praise God. Um, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And, and, and for the sake of our children, I'm not going to get into it, but I'm telling you right now. There, it, let me give you the Greek word for fornication, porneia. Porneia. I'm just telling you, the doctrine of Balaam is alive and well. He'll have you hooked on sports and porneia. He'll have you, he'll have you on the latest celebrity gossip and porneia. He'll have you checking up. I don't know. I, have, I always say things and kids later tell me I'm dated. Praise God. So I don't even know whose name to throw. I don't even know who I'm going to throw under the bus right now. But you don't need to keep up with nobody. 
You, I am personally offended. And this, you know, the other day I was, I was scrolling through the news on my phone. And, uh, man, it was giving me some information on so-and-so's mother who got divorced. Some, some sports personality that their parents got divorced. And I thought, the reason I take offense to this is because they're telling me what is newsworthy. Like, why is somebody's, why is that newsworthy? You mean to tell me, you mean to tell me that out of all the stuff going on in the world, people dying in Afghanistan, soldiers, praise God, our country suffering from the roots to the fruits. You mean to tell me that the most important thing, the most pressing thing right now is who just got some plastic surgery, whose parents got divorced, and what's the latest song? I reject that. I reject that. I am not going to be lost and dribble and, 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 and buffoonery. Praise God. I'm just telling you right now, folks, you got you to gotta wake up. You got to wake up because there, 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 there are doctrines of Balaam out there. Praise God. And they're trying to keep you, amen, hallelujah, dumb and hooked on pornea. Praise God. You, you got to shake yourself. And I'm not just talking to you young men. I'm talking to young women. I'm talking to grown parents. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to all of us. Praise God. There's a whole lot of trash out there. Praise God. Keep, keep yourself pure. Keep yourself clean. Keep yourself unspotted. It's come on. Here's the problem with unconfessed sin. You start, you start, you start learning how to operate through it, right? Because when you have unconfessed sin in your life, and you, it stays, right? Like, because you can't get cleansed until you confess. So if you don't confess, you're not cleansed, and it's present. It's, it's resident evil. And so now you start raising the kids through it. Because the kids will be like, what's that? Because you know they nosy. Or maybe God's making us accountable. And all of a sudden, your wife and your husband ask, what's that? Man, what, what did they just say? And you got to start figuring out how to, how, to, how to live with that. you gotta, you got you to learn how to explain the new roommate in the house. And then, and then, and then you got to use it when you're doing the books too. And you start running your finances through that unconfessed sin. And you start raising the kids through that unconfessed sin. And you start managing your marriage through that unconfessed sin. And you start going to your college campus with that unconfessed sin. And you go to work with that unconfessed sin. And now that thing is battling for your morals. And for your coordinates. And for your attention. Proverbs 28 and 13 says, He that covers his sin shall not prosper. What, what, what's that mean? When you start filtering everything through unconfessed sin, it, you just, you're not going to prosper. But whoso confesses and forsakes his sin shall have mercy. Hey, guess what? The scripture didn't even say, we'll prosper. I'd have been happy if it said that. Scripture said, I'm going to give you something better than prosperity. I'm going to give you mercy. I'm going to give you mercy. 
I'm, I'm going to give you mercy. Praise God. I'm telling you, if you have mercy, praise God, you may or may not prosper, but you have something that money can't buy. If you have God's mercy, you may or may not ever get the car back. You may, you may have to say goodbye to the house. Praise God. You may have to wave goodbye to some friends, boyfriends, girlfriends. You may have to throw that new iPhone away. Praise God. But you'll have something much better. You'll have mercy. You'll have mercy. You'll have mercy. You'll have mercy. Somebody say, praise the Lord. We're almost done. We're going to get into the good part now. We've been talking about confessing, but what does that look like? Number one, when you confess your sins, do not tell God how you feel. Tell God what you did. Because a lot of times when we sin, we spend the first 30 minutes, if not the whole time, praying, telling God how you feel. Oh, God, I feel horrible. I'm so bad. I'm no good. Well, God's not going to argue that. But we don't want to come out and articulate what we, what we did. And the Bible says, confess your sins, not your feelings. I'm telling you, I went years in my life telling God how I felt about my sins. When I, when I should, one day it just finally dawned on me. I read this verse. I said, man, I've been doing it wrong. And I just started saying it. God, I took that cookie and I didn't ask. God, I waited for my wife to leave. So I could take that cookie that belonged to Nora. Praise God. And I just started getting better and better at articulating precisely what I was doing. Not how I was feeling about what I was doing. You got to tell God what you did literally. But let me help you. You also need to tell God what you did in the spirit. Because when you sin, there's a spiritual residual as well. And so I don't just tell God what I did. I also tell God, I betrayed you. I was not a good father, a good husband. I acted in direct contradiction to your word, to your will, to your way. God, I made time to betray all the good things you've done in my life. I, it was not a mistake. I don't even use the word fall anymore when I confess my sins. No one here is falling into sin. It is not an accident. Falling, falling is an accident. Failure is not. And we got to tell God, I didn't, I didn't fall, I failed. Deliberately, intentionally. This is why the scripture talks about making provisions for the flesh. I got to tell you what my job is as the pastor. I'm going to read to you what I am told that I have to do as the pastor. It's found in 2 Timothy 2 and 24. It says, And the servant of the Lord 
must not strive, but be gentle unto all men. Apt to teach. That's what we're doing right now. Patient. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God pre-adventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. So God speaks to pastor through the Bible, pastors, and he tells them, don't fight with people. Don't fight with people. I'm telling you, you think church is just hunky-dory. There's folks looking for a fight. I can think of one person I got in a fight with. I told myself I'll never do that again. Not fist fight. Y'all just chill. We ain't doing that. But, like, I, I, I noticed I got a little touchy. And I vowed to myself immediately. I said, I'll never do that again. Ever. I'm just not going to let you pull that out of me. I'm just, I'm just not going to let you do it. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to teach. And I'm going to try to do it in meekness. I'm going to try to put in as many jokes in there as I can. I'm going to try to roast myself before I roast you. But I have a commandment from God to instruct those who oppose themselves. Because from God's perspective... When we have unconfessed sin, what you are literally doing is opposing yourself. And that's what unconfessed sin feels like. You know what's good for you, but you're actually doing what's bad for you. And here's, the, here's probably the part that everybody's been wondering why I haven't even mentioned the word repentance. Because repentance, believe it or not, is something that has to be granted to you. There are a lot of people that think confession is repentance. They're two totally different things. Two totally different things. A lot of people think, God forgive me because, you know, I don't know, I threw a plate at my husband. And uh, they think that by confessing that, that they've repented. But then they're, they're totally dumbfounded when they like throw a, p- a plate the next week and now they're like god forgive me i went through the china set trying to get my <laughs> and they're not figuring out like what's going on here i'll tell you what's going on you've not been granted repentance if you have a reoccurring issue in your life it's because you have not been granted repentance you may have been confessing but repentance has not been granted to you and so when I confess my sins, I'm, I'm trying to give you some pro tips here on living for God. When I confess my sins, when I tell God what I've done, not how I feel, what I've done, the next thing I ask him is grant me repentance. Repentance is a gift from heaven. And I'm telling you, I just, I want to, I want to, I want to comfort you today. There's been times where days later, Sometimes a month later, I can't explain it to you. I I don't know why or how. I just wake up one day with a real change of mind. 
I believe the Greek word for repentance is metanoia, which literally means a transformed mind. Me and my wife last night were talking about some stuff that we've been trying to rearrange in our lives. And we just, we were both in concurrence. We just, I said, you know what? I just feel this like inspiration to really change some things. And I know that we, as, 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 as church folk, we don't like to apply this to, to, to everything. But I'm telling you, you know, what, you know what that is? That's repentance. When you say, you know what? I got all these little loose ends in my life. I just, I'm, I'm feeling really inspired to tie stuff up. That's repentance. God's granting you that. The Bible says that we've not been given a spirit of, 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 of fear, but of love, power. And the, the, the literal Greek word there, uh, sound mind, is self-control. God will actually move on you and be like, enough of that. Put that cake down. Don't spend that check. You better pay that bill, and you'll just feel like really in tune to do it. People, I'm telling you, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's a miracle. It's possible. God does it. But you have to ask for it. And that, that's why the Apostle Paul says, man, pre-adventure. This is what we're hoping for, Timothy, that through preaching, through honesty, through meekness, through transparency, through Bible class, through Bible study, through Wednesday night, by Sunday morning, God will grant them repentance so they are no longer subject to the will of the devil, but they are subject to the will of God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you there's something so beautiful when you you've just been praying about it and you've been asking God help me to repent about this God help me to repent about this and one day you're in your car one day you jump out of bed one day you go to bed and a tear starts rolling down your eye and all of a sudden you just you feel a spirit of vengeance come on you and you say I'm going to revenge all my disobedience with obedience I'm going to change this I'll never let nobody pull that out of me again I'll never talk like that again I'll never think like that again I'll never walk like that that again I'm hey do you believe that happens do you believe that happens I'm telling you God will grant you repentance and you'll say I'll never drink again I'll never hurt myself again I'll never cut myself again I'll never come on somebody I'll never I'll never I'll never gossip about them again I'll never yell at them again I'll never do that again I'll never I'm just gonna stop that right now I'm gonna turn from that right now I'll never do those drugs again I'll never go back like that again I'll never come on somebody hallelujah I'm telling you there's a spirit of repentance that can get a hold of us and I don't mean to drag this out but I'm telling you there's more than one person here that was no nothing less than 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 a morbid drug addict and you know what happened repentance repentance there were some of you that were emotionally a wreck And had anybody ever told you, you need to repent, you would have been offended. But God moved on you one day. And all of a sudden, you saw how you were the cause. Maybe not of all, but of a lot of the chaos. And all of a sudden, you just snapped out of it. That wasn't you, girl. That was God. There were some of you, you were dating the wrong person, running around with the wrong friends. And God just moved on you said, cut him off. 
and you had a change of mind. I'm talking about after being saved. Because <laughs> sometimes in the church, you got you to gotta take the scissors out. Hey, you know what I feel here today? I don't feel like we're all going to just sit here, confess, cry, weep, and, and go through Kleenex. You know what I actually think is going to happen? A few of us are going to lift our hands, and I pray all of us are going to lift our hands. And as the music's playing, there's just been things that have been bothering us. And we're just going to lift up our voice and say, God, grant me repentance. God, grant me repentance. I'm tired of being the source of my own grief, my troubles. And God, I'm asking you to give me a change of mind today. And it may happen in this service. And it may happen tomorrow morning. And it may happen three days from now. But I believe God answers prayer. Especially that one. Why, Pastor? Because 2 Peter tells us, It is not the will of God that anyone should perish, but that all... Look at your neighbor and say, That's you. That all... That all should come to repentance. You are praying the will of God when you ask the Lord, grant me repentance. Some of us need financial repentance. Some of us need emotional repentance. Some of us need moral repentance. Some of us need emotional repentance. Some of us, some of us need all kinds of repentance. And when we ask God for it, you know, I'm done. Do we have a musician tonight? I think Brother Jesse's voice is going up. You could just, you could play the piano. People just need the music loud enough so nobody hears what they ask God to help them with. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hey. I, I, I just got to be honest with you. Uh, It, it, it's not hard to like call people out. Like that's that's actually kind of easy. So you know, just hey, you know, stop doing that. You know, you know, I heard I heard you're doing this, or I heard you know. In these days, you ain't got to hear nothing. You just stay on Instagram long enough, you find out what everybody's doing. That's rather easy. But as a pastor, I'm always faced with like, what what you gonna do about it? Like, what are you going to do about it? And there's times, you know, I want to get in there and say something. But I also realize just how limited I am. And I, I realize that because I'm human and I have struggles too. And what I realize more than anything is that if God don't do it, you'll do it again. And the key is not to learn how to live with sin. The key is to learn how to repent of it. Because people will change if you call them out. You could, you could shame people into obedience. You really can. It's easy. We, some of us, our biggest fear and dread 
is not complying with the group think. So you could actually shame people and coerce them and manipulate them into aligning themselves with the group. You can. You you really can. It works. But it's short-lived. It's just so short-lived. But when somebody just really starts repenting and they get to the to the heart of the matter, and then God gives them that repentance. Oh man, I'm telling you, nobody will take those convictions away. Nobody. Not a denomination, not a preacher, not a pastor, not a wayward saint, not a parent, not a child. Nobody will take that conviction from that person. Not hell, not cancer. Nobody. That person will hold firm to what God gave them. Let's all stand. I feel something very wonderful in the house of the Lord tonight. Oh, thank you, Jesus.